She told me, unbeknownst to me, that before my first performance, she had given everybody a lovely weed gummy. So by the end of the night, everyone is high as balls in that bar because she had gotten everyone high from my first performance. But it was lovely. It was great. I had a great time. And welcome once again to the No Name NYC podcast. My name is Eric Vetter. Uh, and if you're here for the first time, thank you for being here for the first time. If you've come back, thanks for coming back. Always good to spend time with you good folks. And Carl. Sorry, I always bust the chops of our keyboardist, Carl. The voice you heard up front was a very dear friend of No Name's, Mark Alesco. For those of you who followed No Name for a long time, both of you. You may remember we had a series for close to five years called No Name Presents the Uptown Cabaret. We periodically referenced it. That was a a singers and composers workout show. And although we we encompassed a lot of things, the the bulk of what was done there, uh, hosted by Alex D'Souza, was cabaret and Broadway-style stuff. Again, there were other things there, but that, that was the preponderance of what we did. And during the latter stages, Mark Alesco was our music director, and we loved working with him. He was just a baby then. He was still in school, and I didn't even know that when, when he first came to us. Good Lord, he was young and talented, and he's still young and talented, which shows how the fuck old I am. But I hadn't caught up with him really at any length since that show ended uh, several years ago, and certainly it was pre-pandemic. You know, he's got this whole other world now. At the time I last saw him, he was writing stuff with an eye towards producing musicals or, or writing musicals, rather. And now he's he's a budding drag star. And, uh, then, you know, that's not an amazing, amazing leap, but it's definitely a change of direction. And it was just, for me, I, I hope for you guys, too, it was just really fun talking with him and, you know, connecting some of the dots and, and seeing how he's landed where he's landed and just so, so proud of the person he's grown up to be. He was a grown-up when he came to us, but it, it was really good talking with him, and he's super talented and super nice, and you're always happy to see super nice folks doing well uh, because, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. We'll get to that conversation in a little bit, and uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed chatting with him. If you're listening to this on the day it drops, that would be March 1st, but I'm actually recording this intro a few days beforehand, and the day I'm, I'm recording this is actually February 26th, which uh, finds me with a lot of stuff going on through my head and my, my heart and my spirit. Uh, because today, actually, it was 30 years ago today. I reference you back to the old fuck thing I said. 30 years ago today, No Name, as it was then a sketch group, had its very first performance. The place that we did a show, we did a sketch comedy show, co-written, co-directed, and the whole shebang was co-founded by a college buddy of mine, Dawn Owens, and we, we actually had her as a guest previously on the podcast. And that night, it was a Saturday night, we did the show, I believe our cast was six people total, including us. And 
enough people came out because at that point it was our first show and we hadn't asked all of our friends to come every show <laughs> we had done. It was a new endeavor and, and folks came out and, you know, uh, placated us. And I think it was a decent start, but it was a far cry from what we became. And, and this morning I went with my buddy David Lawson, who's a wonderful storyteller, who's also been a guest on the podcast. And we went back to the place. The place we did it was on 114th Street and Broadway. Well, the West End Cafe is a place that I hung out when when I was in college. We We did, Dawn and I, separately and together. And by the time we were starting No Name, it had been uh, taken over by the folks who ran the Village Gate back in the West Village back in the day, kind of a legendary place. The West End Gate Cafe, as it came to be known, was not as legendary, but it was an uptown institution in in its previous incarnation. And now it's long gone, and I was just curious, because it's gone through several incarnations since the original West End slash West End Gate closed down. Along the way, it's it's been such disparate things as an outpost of Havana Central. I think it was a bakery at some point, maybe another restaurant. And it doesn't seem to have sustained any identity along the way. In its present incarnation, it is a place... Hex and Company, and it describes itself as, I guess, a, a board game cafe. It seems just lovely. And, and David and I sat down and caught up. We hadn't seen each other in a while, and we're having hot chocolate and coffee, and uh, I got a croissant. And all of it was very fine, but it was really interesting to be sitting outside in, in you know, borderline cool weather. Just something about being in the place where uh, so many things for me and for No Name started, it got me to thinking about how many changes occurred over the years, some intentional, some unintentional. And to go from a sketch comedy group comprised of several people who had really different senses of humor (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they didn't kind of mesh together to uh, about six years after that, becoming what we are today in its embryonic form, a uh, comedy variety show where different types of people, comics and other types of performers come together and play and try stuff out that we kind of found our way along the way. And I was thinking about how many places we performed at in 30 years and most of the places we performed at, with the exception of Don't Tell Mama, almost every place that we called our home base for so many years is now gone, except for Otto's Shrunken Head, and it's kind of exciting this very week. Uh, If you hear this on the day it drops, that would be March 1st, and we're returning to Otto's Shrunken Head on March 1st. You know, a lot of things are gone, but we're still here. And with that in mind, I want to thank all of you who've been on any part of the ride with us. And uh, thank you for sharing that ride with us. Just hope to see you all uh, all again as soon as possible. And I hope you'll come to one of our upcoming shows. I can tell you that we are out of shrunken head on Friday, March 1st 
at 7 p.m. We're going to have the summer replacements, the house band in the house. We're going to have Dave Lester, Menuhin Hart, and Rhonda Handsome as our guests. And maybe we'll get a couple of drop-ins as well. But it would just be good to be back in the place. To give you a heads up, our ongoing storytelling series, the No Name Super Story Party, returns to Word Up Bookshop in beautiful Washington Heights on Tuesday, March the 5th. And we've got a great lineup that night, including my previously mentioned buddy David Lawson and Rory Scholl and other other good folks. That is also a 7 o'clock show, and both shows are free. So what better way to either reacquaint yourself with No Name or uh, jump on board as No Name begins its 30th anniversary year? All right, well, enough reminiscing. Uh, We're going to get to a great conversation with Mark Alesco, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we got the order of business of of acknowledging our sponsor. If you know it, say it along with me. From the home of Bob the Squirrel, get away to Green Bay. Escape to Green Bay. That's right, the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast in beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a bed and breakfast before, but the breakfast at a lot of these places tends to be like a mini box of cereal or uh, some questionable fruit, things of that nature, a piece of toast maybe with some butter. But not at the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast. Your innkeeper, Tom and Linda Steber, will provide you with a delicious, absolutely world-class breakfast every single morning. They will also make you feel welcome in any one of their five luxury accommodations, all of which have a private bath and some of which have their own jacuzzi. If you want to know what's going on around town, Tom and Linda will let you know about any special events, and they'll also make recommendations for you to any of the wonderful restaurants in town. So you can't beat it. Go. Go now. Go. Get away to Green Bay. For more information or for reservations, go to www.astorhouse.com. That's A-S-T-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com. Get away to Green Bay. I'm so happy you came. It seriously, it made my heart happy to... Because I, I haven't seen you since uh, maybe early in pandemic. No, not no, even. No, before, I think, yeah. You, you it's know been why a long th- time. Mm-hmm. This will make sense to you. You you know why I, I, I for a moment I thought pandemic because the last time I recall seeing you, it was outdoors playing music at an outdoor piano, but that had nothing to do with pandemic. Oh, was, uh, was it the, What was it? Pianos for Hope or something like that? The promotion oh, yeah, that you had? yes, yes, yes. I do that um, in the summers. Yeah, every June I've been doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Oh, so you you kept doing it? I knew. I yeah, knew, every year. You know, Alex D'Souza had tried to uh, put together kind of a, an impromptu uptown cabaret out, out at the right. piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that. that being mm-hmm. a lot of fun, but I have not seen you since then, man. Ooh, but, years. Yeah. Wow. And, and the last time you were here, we had like a one-off uptown cabaret here, right? That's right. Yeah, the last time I was in this exact room was 
Yeah, years ago doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, you're someone that, although I have not seen you, I guess, in that would be probably four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I You're someone who I periodically get somebody say, oh, Mark Lesko doing such and such or whatever. So, so how you doing, man? I'm good. Just, uh, you know, full-time nightlife, performing all the time, doing my drag stuff, doing my music stuff. I'm busy. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. And this is something I, I never knew about you. Uh, are you a native New Yorker? Yeah, kind of. So I uh, I lived in Inwood when I was very little until I was five and then grew up mostly in Westchester. So from like five to 18. And then since 18, I've been uptown and I'm 32 now. So I've been around, yeah, in the city officially for 18 years, but I otherwise was, you know, 20 minutes above the Bronx. So mm-hmm. I've been pretty, pretty local my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I mm-hmm. got you. Performing, music, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you first feel that? Uh, well, I started playing piano when I was very little, like five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, Your choice or somebody else's? Oh, at that age, I mean, it's my my mom made me do that. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any say in that, but I really loved it and it caught on. And I've been a musician all my life, basically. Now, um, yeah, but I've I've loved music since I was very little and. It kind of transi- transitioned from being like a classical pianist to musical theater pianist. Now I just play everything. And along the way, you pick up different styles and different like ensembles I've worked with. And I've I've done a lot of different types of performing in, in music st- in the music sense. But yeah, since I was very little, I started. Did you did you have any memories of, of the city at, at that age? Yeah. I mean, I lived on um, Park Terrace West up in Inwood. When I was, oh, wow. Okay. Which is funny because we used to do a cabaret thing. An Indian Row Cafe, and that was like down the hill from my first apartment, my <laughs> I family apartment. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. I knew you were an Inwood person at that time, mm-hmm. right? So you actually grew up in Inwood. Yeah, well, I mean, I was, well, I mean well, until I was very, five. until five. Yeah, so I was very little. But and remember, like taking walks in that park. I remember going to the church on, I forget what street it's on, but it's on Broadway and two oh by two oh seven, maybe Good Shepherd, maybe. Yes, Good Shepherd. That's okay. one. Uh huh. And uh, what else do I remember from that age? Not much else, really. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the well, neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, you're not thinking about the type orchestral pieces you were composing at five. <laughs> um, but so, all right. So, so it begins with with uh, music lessons and and stuff. I'm presuming. Mm-hmm. Did you start with classical? I did. Yeah. So I had a, a private piano teacher with only classical music when I was uh, started. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, when I moved up there, like five or six, and then that lasted through high school. But that was like my only background until that point was only classical piano. Yeah, I was doing mm-hmm. that. What sort of stuff are you listening to in your in, on your time? Like at that age? Yeah. Oh, it was, <laughs> so my parents are like big jazz heads. So like in the house, they'd be playing lots of jazz and I'd be playing like my classical stuff. And then it only was like in middle school where I started like listening to like pop music and well, not even middle school. I, I think elementary, like on the radio, being on the bus, listening to pop music, stuff, you know, R&B, stuff that was just on the, you know, top 40. And, and did you, did you like, when you were taking your class and you're, you're learning classical, were you feeling that or was that just the work you were given? It really depends on the piece, honestly. Some pieces I felt like it was like, 
yeah, like a chore. Mm. But some, even to this day, some piano stuff I've played since I was very little, I love. Um, but it really is case by case for me. Yeah, some stuff I love and some stuff I was like bored by, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Sure. At what point did you start to think of like, oh, is this something I could do? I mean, was that there from the beginning? Um, I think maybe in middle school was where I was like, okay, I feel like I can, I'm, this is something I'm good at. Cause I would, I did my first talent show in middle school and I did a piano. I did a, I played a Tchaikovsky, um, piece from the Nutcracker, you know, the famous, uh, dance, um, what's it called? Yeah. Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. I did that, at, um, at a talent show. And, uh, then people realized like, oh, he can play piano. Cool. And then I, from there kind of like snowballed into like getting asked to play for the shows for like, you know, for theater, doing pit work with the, you know, with the school for the other kids and playing for auditions and stuff. And yeah. Wow, you got, you got all of that out of talent show. I, I have to tell you, I feel a little bitter. I <laughs> I actually played piano at a talent show when I was oh, five. Really? Uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Did not achieve the results you got. <laughs> so clearly I was focusing on, on pop music, which was a poor choice. Um, oh, but I love pop music too. <laughs> I love pop music. But no, I, I I just honestly I just hated the lessons. I, I know, you know it's it's really like really you need a, the right teacher and it's it's tough. Yeah, I was a good student, but I found everything kind of hard. So like I spent more time doing my homework than my peers did. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So when you're doing that, like the last thing you want to, I finally finished this social studies homework. Right now, I'll be working on the piano for it. Yeah, that's true. You, you know. sacrifice a lot of your social time I and mean, it's hours of, yeah, of work. Well, I had no social stuff, so. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I actually, that's true. <laughs> but, but it was t- important time taken away from watching cartoons, which was a deal for I me. Mean, that's so. still important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what high school did you go to? Uh, so my hometown is Dobbs Ferry in Westchester. So I was went, went to Dobbs Ferry High School, <laughs> the, the public school in town. Mm. Yeah, it was a small school. How was the the music or, or artistic uh, curriculum there? Um, so I, I definitely think growing up that my town was a, more of a sports town. It was more of like a suburban football town, kind of like stereotypical, like suburbia, you know. Yeah. But uh, I was like uh, always like during my lunches, kind of like hanging out with my few friends and like playing music in the choir room while everyone else was in the cafeteria. So I'd like have my little circle of friends doing that. And I was also a band, big band person. So I, I did bands and like played for football games and then played in the pit and then did like the concerts. And that was like my my music background in, in school growing up was all band. Okay. Yeah. So like the, the extracurricular activities sort of a thing more than like within the school? Yeah, I had actual class like every morning for band, but then I would do like stuff after school and like outside as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're describing what the town was like at that uh, Dobbs Ferry. Is, mm-hmm. that, um, is it one of those places, that you, could, you know, if it's a football-oriented town, some of these places, they can be like a real uh, I don't know, conflict is what's coming to my head. That's mm-hmm. not the word I'm looking for. But, you know, uh, the, the different factions, the different uh, cliques or whatever with – did everyone get along okay with it? Like, oh, you're a football, oh, you're a music. Uh, we were definitely all separated, for sure, yeah, in terms of, like, social groups. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, like, you know, I guess I guess wondering if there was any bullying around that sort of thing. Uh, or, or is it just like, you do your thing, we do our thing, and we'll just mutually loathe each other at a distance? Yeah, it was more like that, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we don't have to discuss it. You do your thing and uh, we'll think we're better than you. Right. Very that. <laughs> Glad that's over. I'm inching towards, you know, getting out of high school and what comes next. I, I have absolutely no idea how old you are. I'm not going to ask you. Okay. But, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, that, but, but my reason being, when I met you, you know, you, you were working with Alex D'Souza. Who, yes. You know, we were, we were producing the Uptown Cabaret series. When she brought you in, you had met her at Kidville, right? That's right. I was working there. It, I think it was like, in college, though. That's this is crazy. what I was going towards because I was like, you looked me so young. It's like, is, is he allowed all the to time. be in here? Yeah, I get that all the time. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I can understand that. But you were coming from Kidville. Uh, so it was just... <laughs> so I was wondering, honestly, if you had gone to college or music school or anything like that after high school because you were so young when I met you. And I know you were working at that point. Yeah, so I was working part-time there. I think I was still in school, if not just graduated undergrad. From... Uh, City College. I went to City, city College. college. Yeah. I'm a City College alumnus. No way. CCNY, well, yeah. Alumnus, I think, means you have to have actually gotten your degree, but I did go there for seven years. So oh, Okay. There you go. <laughs> which, as you probably know from City College, I don't think this aspect has changed. That is the college where people go to spend their careers. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it, no one goes in and out four years almost. Mm-hmm. I, I'm saying this, I guess, to someone who went in and out. I did. <laughs> But yeah, uh, music major. Yes, uh, music major. How, how how was the music department when you were there? I learned so much. I had a great time. I was challenged, which I think is like one of the biggest things when it comes to just education. Like you know, you need to be pushed outside your box. That was the first time. That was the first time I ever felt like I wasn't great great at music actually, and that was wild <laughs> to me because I grew up being like so confident in what I could do, and then I really was like, oh wow, there's so much more to learn and but yeah like I got like pretty much like all my so much of the fundamental skills that I use to this day from my undergrad program for sure did they ever uh draft you uh into playing for any of the musicals on campus you know what they did it um because I felt like it's weird I don't know if you know like the layout still but like the music program and the theater program are in a completely different Shepherd Hall is where the music program is yeah the theater program was like in another <laughs> yeah, down, building, like down the, the road. Five blocks down, yeah. yeah. So we were never really together per se. It was very much just like the music kids doing this, just the music thing, yeah. Well, no, it, yeah, I'm not exactly sure where you fall into the timeline, but I, up until, I don't know, I'm going to just pick a number at, at random and say maybe 2018. From mm-hmm. the time I stopped going there, I continued for years and years to go back at least once a year, sometimes a couple of times, to just... Really, just support some of the uh, yeah. Shows. You know what? I actually uh, I did that a few a few times after graduating too. You know, yeah. and it, there was there was something for me. There was something about just tapping into the energy of being at that age and that point in development where everything is like you know the show is the most important thing in the world. You mm-hmm. know, and whatever the quality is, it's just a very specific energy, and I always felt. It was good and nourishing for me to reconnect with that periodically. Remember that that's, you know, why I do some of the things that I do. Sure. It was coming from that. Yeah. You know, and being in the buildings where I used to do it and seeing the next mm-hmm. generations doing that. Right. And, uh, but all of this, see, now when I went there, they didn't even produce musicals. But when I went back several times, I actually saw they were producing some musicals. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
Huh, I wonder if I saw you before I saw you. you Maybe. Know? No, I actually wasn't ever in that world of the musicals there, no. But I went to a few and I, I had a great time supporting. And there's lots of people that even to this day I've like circled back to and like worked with even really recently that have been at CCNY at the same time was you never know when people will circle back and see your life. Yeah. yeah do, you, do you know Miles Blue's Boots by any chance? Um, I, I know that he uh, is a musician as well. I used to, he did the gigs at the same time I was doing. Yeah, he was, guys. yeah. he was there. He plays guitar, and, right? Huh? He plays guitar, right? Uh, yes, yeah, among yeah. other things. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually met him as a sax player when he was like oh, 16, 17. Mm -hmm. uh, he'd done like everything since then. Um, but... Um, <laughs> He's the kind of guy this guy was. Um, uh, while he was in college, um, and he had like you know fifteen hundred roommates as one day, right? Yeah, that's, and yep. he was doing some shows with us here and there. And there was one day he was super super excited. He was just like couldn't contain himself. Uh, he had a, obtained a harpsichord. Oh my uh, goodness! And I'm just thinking of trying to bring in a harpsichord Whoa. with your five, six hundred roommates. Yeah, know? I'm like, where do you put that? And like his college experience was different than mine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I, I, I figured if if y'all were there at the same time, your paths almost would have had to. Yeah, they might have actually. You of never course, know. he was uh, he was focusing on the. Um, I forget the name of the program he was in, but he was learning to be a sound engineer. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, yes, yes. You know, and actually after he was had graduated, he was still going back there, like recording and like, you know, uh, doing recording for people. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah. so, so, wow. Long, several tangents away right. from, from Mark narrative. <laughs> right, but, it's all good, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so w were you done at City College when you met Alex? I think so. I think it was around that time I was just finished. I don't know where we actually officially first met. I don't even remember what our first conversation, like, yeah, that's weird. Well, I, I, I wonder where she found me, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, it was because well, Kidville co-working oh yeah and we got to she's a fabulous singer but I, I yeah like i remember when i first started working there i was like oh who is this lady who has this really gorgeous voice she was so, so sweet and like we just like hit it off that was what? maybe a year after i graduated college i think 2014 okay yeah, yeah I, i'm forgetting my own damn timeline i think there was like is it possible that you were finishing up college when you started doing our show it is possible yeah because i feel like there was I feel like there was one night that you were super apologetic for being like three minutes late because you were finishing up a paper or something of that Maybe, nature. Probably, probably yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate writing papers. I never liked it. <laughs> for anyone listening who's not familiar with what I'm talking about, uh, No Name uh, has had a number of shows under the No Name umbrella for a number of years. And for, for a four and a half year period, we had a show called The Uptown Cabaret. It was a, a singers and songwriters workout room, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, we had featured a featured singer each show, but there was, um, it, it was mostly bring in your sheet music, sign up. And, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, you know, to have a music director for that kind of endeavor, you need a very specific, sort of a person yeah. we knew plenty of talented keyboardists and really talented folks but not everyone has that skill set of being able to just like on the spot yeah. yeah that's right yeah exactly and it was unlike alex i'm not immersed in that world i travel in it a lot i 
I speak the language well enough to get around. But, right. but I, I was very blown away by a number of qualities that you brought to the table. Anyway, anyway it, 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 suffice to say, we met because our then accompanist became disenchanted, let's say. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Which made us feel disenchanted mm-hmm. in the way that person expressed it. And it was fine. It, it was cool. But we knew we needed to get somebody. And she used to tell me about you. you know, she would talk sometimes about Kidville and Alex would say, you know, and man, this guy, I'd love to get him to, to come Aww. through because he's just so great. He's so nice and so easy to work with. Everything she said was, was true and then some. Mm. I mean, really, it, it was like one thing that bothered me for a while when, when the plug was pulled on that was I felt like, oh, man, we finally, you were the guy we should have been with from the beginning, you mm-hmm. know, although you probably would have been like 16 at the time. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just felt, I, I just want to pay the compliment to you because it was such a joy to work with you, not only because of your skill set, but just, it, it was so much uh, fun to work with you, just so nice. Never any stress. If anything, the opposite of that, you relieved stress <laughs> by the way, you know, could you do a show like that and yeah. you get some really good, I mean, we had people pass through there who, who've since done Broadway. And yeah, totally. <laughs> won Tonys or been nominated for Tonys or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there were other people. Yeah, you're running the gamut. That's right. <laughs> and, That's right. And it, it, to me, the mark of special people and people who are well suited to that as well are, you know, you treated everyone the same, no matter what level of crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was some crazy. I remember a few times, for sure. <laughs> for sure. That gig was really at the beginning of my, like, actual gigging life because yeah. I was, like, just out of school. But between that and also Kidville, in a way, I was learning like to be able to be very adaptable. You have to be. Because actually, I don't know if Alex told you how Kidville used to work, but they would give us like a packet of songs like every week to like learn also. So it was like this kind of similar thing where it's like it's you're you're going, you're flying through. You're not really like sitting with the songs too much. You're just like given this thing. You have to like be able to perform it like in a couple of days. And then with you guys, it was like on the spot, like the day of. So it was a lot of just learning how to like learn things really quickly and like how to perform different, lots of different styles, because that's a big thing. I think as a musician that I've learned a lot over the years is tons of different styles of music and what they call for, you know, because mm-hmm. if I had stayed in just in the classical world, then I would not be able to play authentically, you know, like a gospel song or like, you know, a jazz song. They're all, they all require different things. But I also think, you know, again, in addition to the skill of, of the technical playing ability was just, and, and, and I, you know, basically I, I loved everybody who came through there, yeah. but, but, you know, there were times I'd see somebody huddling over in the corner, talking with you, telling you what they wanted. And I thought, better him than me. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and just look at you patiently listening to something that even at a great distance, I can look and say, that person is telling him some crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you were looking at them like they were not certifiable. Um, <laughs> you know, like, no, this all makes perfect sense. Yes, we'll do it. Uh, <laughs> I think your job as an accompanist is to make this, uh, to support your singers and make it look easy. Mm. But a lot of singers, I don't think understand on a, like a musical level, what something entails. Let's say if like, I remember someone brought in like some like, chicken scratch music that like was barely intelligible and then they were like oh but i'm actually gonna skip verse two and if you can make it like up a half step I'm like what like <laughs> this is so 
it's wild. It's like I, I you know what? I don't even remember who it was, but I remember somebody once came in there and I think it was while you were uh the music director. Um someone brought in like some sheet music and it was like like a visual gag on Monty Python oh, or yeah. something. Person should like kept pulling <laughs> the sheet music and it was stretching out yes. further and further. Yes. And like you can't even put that on your no, music. No, it didn't even uh, fit. You have to slide you know? it as you play because it's like a scroll. <laughs> yeah, literally. I remember that. Jesus. <laughs> See, now we live in a world of tablets and I'm team tablet. I am team tablet. <laughs> yeah, that was like just like a minute before that, right? That was before, yeah, before the whole iPad thing really blew up. For musicians, yeah. Nowadays, you can just have a whole library of music, yeah. You know, actually, with a touchscreen. You know, it's funny that, that you bring up the tablet because the first person I ever actually saw using that regularly in their work was uh, Lester Harper, bass player who used to come mm-hmm. through there and sit in sometimes. Yeah, you know, and I was like, because I didn't even know what he was setting up at first. You know, uh-huh. you know, I mean, now it's standard, but to me, then, you know, especially as a non-musician, I was like. Well, that's okay. Right. You know? Yeah. And that wasn't but, that long ago for that, you know, just in the scheme of things, like, not, yeah, now it's like everywhere. That's that's the norm. Yeah. 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 Which I love. It's also nice having internet so you can just like pull up anything you want. Well, anyway, th- thank you for, for helping us survive that while you yeah. survive that. <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, that, that's part of what made that interesting to me is that we would have these people who were working at such a high level and, you know, alongside of somebody who brought in their chicken scratch music, yeah, you know. totally, yeah. Uh, and I guess it was enjoyable to me because I didn't have to play it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and I kind of lost touch with you after that. So that was like, that and Kidville were like a, a, among your first professional jobs, right? Totally, yeah. A couple of questions for you, like, A, you know, what other sorts of work were you getting in in, in also, what kind of work were you seeking out? I mean, like, what did you think came next after graduation? You know, I was, after undergrad, I was a little just like, once I lost, but I was just like, hmm, what do I want to do? I mean, my, and even to this day, something I really would love to, you know, aspire to be is, uh, you know, playing a, a pit, pit gigs on Broadway. That's like one, something I would love to do. But I also, after undergrad, went into grad school for music education, so I... I was getting a degree for to be a music teacher, and then I ended up getting a teaching job. So then I was teaching music for like five years. Yeah, like five years. I believe that was one of the times that I heard word from out in the streets. <laughs> you, um, I believe, were teaching and directed uh, Crystal Marie Chin. Yes, that's such a small world moment. Yeah, because I, yeah, I taught her. <laughs> I was a high her, school teacher. Her mom. Yeah. Is one of our rotating stage managers uh, for the No Name shows, mm-hmm. uh, Cindy Chin. Mm-hmm. Too bad she wasn't here the the night we did Uptown Cabaret at Word Up because she has come to a number of music events we've Aww. had here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she she said, uh, "Do you know Mark Lesko?" Yeah, I said, he. He teaches my daughter. <laughs> like, wow, that was small world. Yeah, yep. truly. Yep. They're like, well, at least I know one thing he's doing now. Uh-huh. Well, that was like my main thing for a long, for a while. I was high school teacher, and that's that was like, and that was a like lot. you got that after you got out of Columbia. Yes, from 2015 to like 2019, I want to say. So actually, like four years. Um, I was teaching full time. Well, actually, no, I first got like a maternity leave job 
in 2015 up in Westchester at my alma mater at my high school. I, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be a, a, a co-worker with my former teachers. <laughs> um, and and, and, and did very, you smack them? Oh, no. <laughs> It was just an odd dynamic, you know. You you grow up and you're like, oh my god, Mister, Mrs. That's X Y Z. Now it's like that's my that's my co- my coworker. We're like on lunch break together. Yeah, um, and I was still very young at the time. I was like 23, so I was like, this, <laughs> I look like a baby. Now I'm curious about that because I actually almost wound up in a similar circumstance of going back to teach acting at, at my old high school. I backed out. I kind of freaked mm-hmm. out, and it was a good thing that I didn't do that. Were they? able to receive you and look at you like a colleague or some of them most of them yeah okay it's also funny because like i as we all do in high school i didn't necessarily even enjoy all my teachers growing up so like some of them like not to work with you oh fuck (laughs) like my gym teacher like uh (laughs) yeah never like you (laughs) yeah um did you find that was good i mean some of them like, like so for instance like my art teacher growing up to this day we're cool i have her on facebook we talk every so often it's a really easy switch from like being the dynamic of like teacher students to just being uh, coworkers and friends. Mm-hmm. And then my chemistry teacher growing up, I guess she was kind of like me where she, when she was teaching me was very on the young side too. Mm-hmm. So then when I was, you know, get when I first got that job to, to teach my whole high school, I was in that same boat kind of. And I think that we've kind of gelled over that. And then also she has <laughs> supported my drag career like intensely and always like was like trying to come see my shows, and she actually was trying to make host a bingo event up in Dallas Ferry and have me host, and then COVID happened. But that's another story. Um, but she's like been a big supporter of my drag, and like, and it's interesting because then I I have now relationships with some of my former students because they're grown ups now too. Like, <laughs> and it's weird. <laughs> they're like legal now. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and all of you are little whippersnappers, right? <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, did, did you have the experience of, of teachers that you liked uh, as, as a student that you felt differently about after working with them or vice versa? Um, or did everyone stay more or less consistent to your initial take? Uh, mostly consistent, but there, there was definitely like one, there was like an orchestra teacher that I never got to really know because I was just always a band person. And so there's like band, orchestra, chorus, and I was like in the band faction or whatever. So I never really got to know her, but she had a reputation for being just a freaking be like a bit just uh, mean, mean. and um working with her i realized that was kind of true but um <laughs> i but she had like she was also cool to like talk to you i guess like and like get to know her i never liked you before and now that i've gotten to know you i i <laughs> really don't like positive you. yeah <laughs> yeah it's also interesting knowing the dynamic behind the scenes because like then i could talk to teachers about like the other teachers and like realize that like oh my god some of my teachers didn't they didn't even like each other <laughs> like <laughs> They did not get along. Right, right. So it's just, that's just part of being a person. Like, no one gets along with everybody. Right. But I never knew that as a kid, you know. But I, as their coworkers, I was like, yeah, oh, I didn't realize you, that you guys didn't like each other at all. Wow. We devolve into an us versus them mentality. Yeah. Like, you know, they're the teachers and they're on their teams. They play together. Right. They must all like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they don't even all play together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. When did you move in? To the city when you went to school? Yeah, when I went to City College, I moved to, um, my first apartment was um, at 106 in Columbus. And I was, oh, wow, okay. I was just I, there for a year. And then I've been in Washington Heights otherwise okay. since 2011 till now. So a long time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I, did you, when, when you were growing up in Dobbs Ferry, did you have any desire to get 
back to the city or oh i was always in the city every time i could find time i mean i much prefer being here than the suburbs Uh, okay i always have in terms of like culture in terms of like diversity in terms of like just things to do um i was always hanging out here you know as soon as i could when i was when i was a teenager when i was able to finally get in the metro north and like leave my house by myself (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. we we recently had a uh a chat an episode with uh joshua cohen mm-hmm. joshua h cohen i don't know if your paths crossed at all uptown cabaret but we we had a another offshoot of that series that was a featured composer series okay cool. and he did a couple of those and he was talking about being old enough to get on the train and come into the city himself mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know see the musicals and you know whatever yeah. whatever else uh, you know that like for me, growing up in the city, a, a rite of passage in the bad old days was when you were old enough to come in, to, uh, you could go down to 42nd Street on your own. Totally. Uh, so yeah. it's interesting to hear other people, their rite of passage was old enough to take the train and come into the city, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Musical theater, I always have loved. So I would come down and see Broadway shows. I would like sign up for the lotteries and sometimes win them. And I remember when they used to be like only $20, that was lovely. And then I'd like, you know, <laughs> go to like, you know, Lower East Side or the village, find a place I didn't card and like, you know, drink and have fun with my friends. And when I was like 19, 20, around there. Yeah. You were a full-time teacher for like four years? I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what are you doing after hours? Are, are, you, are you gigging? Are you seeking out stuff? Or? Depends on, it depended on the day. A lot of times I would be doing after school rehearsing and like, music directing shows for the kids, but um, I was doing like some side gigs here and there. And then my last year of teaching was when I first started doing uh, piano bar work. And like now I do a lot, lots of piano bar um, gigs, but that was my, during teaching was like when I first started doing like side stuff at night like that. Yeah. Was it a matter of getting enough work outside to move on from the teaching or? I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't think intentionally trying to get work to leave teaching but I did always enjoy performing and working for myself more than the education world even though I love kids and I love the actual classroom stuff yeah being a high school teacher entails a lot more than that unfortunately so the other stuff was not really my favorite necessarily mm-hmm. you know dealing with parents dealing with administration dealing with the DOE stuff dealing with all the stuff outside of the actual teaching hours that you're expected to, you know planning yeah. trainings all the stuff they don't tell you is part of your Oof, job yeah when you take the job totally uh, so it, so you're kind of uh, gravitating towards the outside gigs yeah and stuff at that point mm-hmm. when did drag come into the uh into the picture around the same time i was teaching actually because one of my students um got me back into so we all know rupaul's drag race right um i watched it when i was like in the closet, still very young, like sixteen, grew up in um, South Ferry. I would watch it <laughs> in my in the base the basement while my parents were asleep. But then I just like kind of like I don't know, forgot about it for a while. And then during my teaching time, like when I was teaching, uh, one of my choir students would like always ask me if I saw the latest episodes, and like mm. it was so incessant that I was like, okay, finally, let me just fucking watch this so he'll leave me alone. Mm. And then um. I watched it. I was like, oh, this is like theater. This is awesome. Because mm-hmm. I think of drag as basically it's multi- multidisciplinary. You're doing you're, you're you're the production. So like you're doing hair, costume, you know, 
sound. I, I love edit my, my all my performance tracks. Like, and then yeah, you know, I love fashion um, and the music. So you can be a singer, you can be a dancer, you can be you can be a comedian, you could be a juggler, you could do anything you want. Um, on top of like the glamour of it all, so that's really fun. Right. And makeup and all that. So I uh, I saw that I was like, that's like the most creative outlet I think I've ever seen. Um, so I started like dabbling with that, and that was while I was in my last year of teaching at that school. So, and then luckily my best teacher friend at that school who lives around the corner and we still chat and like hang out um, was a dance teacher. So she like, like gave me like free heels lessons during my lunch breaks in the dance room. So like I learned how to like walk in heels and all that. Um, but yeah, I started doing that in the last year of teaching. So that also was an overlap. I was doing like piano bar stuff on the side and then I was like learning how to like, you know, paint my face and then also, you know, doing education still. Man, so yeah. it, it, it sounded like you, you are, are a busy human at that point. I was really busy. <laughs> yeah, I still kind of am, but that at that time I had definitely even more energy, which was like looking back, like kind of wild. Like I'd be out that late and then show up to work the next day, like at eight, well, 7.30 to be there. <laughs> oh my God, it's teaching's the earliest. <laughs> I don't miss that at all. Like even right now, this is early for me because I'm a night creature now. So yeah, well, but seven. I can't believe I had to work at seven thirty. Ew, that's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. I I, I appreciate your being here at ten no a.m. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, no, it it it's weird because I I always said, see, you know that the the work takes you into night. My thing has always yeah. been. I know I have a reputation in in my circle of friends as being kind of a, not a morning person, right? And is is I love the morning. You do okay, but I love the nighttime too. And like my my life has taken me more into the night. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those it, you kind of can't do both at the same you time can't. unless no. you have a really really effective means of switching off the right drugs yeah uh, you know, <laughs> that's right i mean and, and that's kind of a finite mm -hmm. way to go yeah. um yeah no so you know and i have nothing against the morning except if i had a show last night hello you know yeah <laughs> there'd be times i'd go to school or i'd be teaching my my student one of my students called me out one time she's like mr o did you do drag last night i was like why she's like there's glitter in the corner of your eyes still <laughs> Oh, you caught me. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> no, the comment comments coming just from the kids or, or, or? Uh, the kids. Okay. Oh, the, the my my coworkers loved it. Um, they come nice. to my shows. Yeah, they come to my. They still ever so often have come to my shows. Yeah, but the kids, you know, the high schoolers have no filter. Like they'll say whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever's on their mind. Yeah, good we, or bad. Well, you know, in my high school choir director was a guy and and if i haven't already identified identified myself as an old fuck this will confirm it um you know, when when these guys who would be at studio 54 or the the clubs oh, cool. that were hot back uh -huh. in those days yeah. and come in looking like death warmed over <laughs> with you know with a do rag or some pre-do-rag, you know, embryonic version of that. Or, yeah. You know, something. Before it was a fashion statement, it was obviously not a fashion statement yeah. for my choir director. Right. You know, barely plop his coffee on top of the piano. Totally. And it, it, in essence, ask us, could we please be quietly this morning? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, I've so, I, I definitely have felt that. 
exact feeling. <laughs> yep. But um, anyway, but so uh, so what? Where where are you getting your first uh, piano bar gigs? Where are you getting your first drag gigs? Or actually, well, you know what? Let let's isolate them because I'm I'm not meaning yeah. to to put them together. Your uh, piano bar gigs came first, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how does one go about getting into that? Um, so it's really for me at least, and I think for most people, it's it's connections, it's word of mouth, it's knowing the right people. Mm-hmm. I would for a long time go support my two friends that played at a bar on the east side, Uncle Charlie's. Oh yeah, yeah, Uncle and that's Charlie's. where I first started myself. But um, I would go support my friends just for fun. My two friends used to play there. Now one lives in like Michigan and one's like touring. He's a country artist now. And he's just all around. But um, yeah, so I go support them all the time, like on the weekends. And then after a time, just being a regular supporter, um, they knew I played piano and they'd be like, oh, wait, well, what if I asked you to come sub in sometimes? So like, when, so then it started like being like, I used to sub in for one of my friends when he was busy. Then the owner or the manager there like got to know me and like liked what I did. And then eventually one of them just fully left, couldn't like left the city. And so I took over doing Saturday nights there. And that's my first... That was my first like continuous piano bar gig Saturday nights there, and I did that for like two but that's or three actually, years. That's, that's kind of breaking in in the, in the big time in a way playing Saturday night, right? Yeah, kinda. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. That that bar is like very. It's more like off the beaten path, so it was really up and down in terms of like foot traffic. But I did have like sometimes where it was like yeah, really crazy busy and like super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I started playing there, and then. Within a year, I would say, is when I started doing, starting Dally and Drag. And I specifically told myself that I wanted to just work on the craft of like the presentation for a while before even being seen in public. Because I knew that if I had, if I was out in public um, without much experience with the aesthetics, people would be taking pictures and I didn't want any evidence of those. I got those, you. Yeah, those uh, so, crunchy so days. Do you have uh, drag open mics? How do, how do you learn to do that while, like you say, trying not to you know, put it out there publicly with, you know, to be measured by a pro mm-hmm, standard? Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, my road to performing in drag has been a little different than most queens because I kind of made my own avenue through my piano bar gig, knowing that I had that that initial like Saturday night, no matter what like, I could was performing at, I was like, well, what if I just start infusing my, my drag aesthetic into my, my Saturday nights at this piano bar? Um, that way I didn't have to fight anyone for, for gigs and I could like take my own time and do whatever. Um, traditionally, a lot of times Queens will do like amateur competitions. There's a big mm-hmm. scene for that, especially down in the village and in Hell's Kitchen where like that's like you know, the gay areas. Um, so most Queens do it that way. Like they go in, and you get like a, a slot and you just perform a number and it's like a competition. So you can like win for the night or whatever. Um, I never did that. I still have never done that to this day. Um, I just kind of like started by just showing up to my, <laughs> to my uh-huh. piano bar gigs as Lyra, my drag persona. Right, so you're going there anyway. Yeah. You've got a gig. You're going to be yeah. playing music regardless. And right. Mm-hmm. So with a matter of... Um, just the aesthetic, the the outfit, and you do your normal thing at these gigs, or are you, are you working some of the act in there as so well? So it was it was very that I was hosting and playing 
like normal and drag, but then I'd also pop up and do pop up numbers. So I did like I would do like a little set of like lip syncs and be able to work the crowd and like do that um, every so often throughout the night on top of playing live music all night. Yeah. You have uh, somebody else uh, cover you music wise so you oh, no, can get up and interact? Just use a track. I'd make tracks. So that way, yeah. Because it was, it's like lip syncing. It's like dancing and performing, not so much doing the piano stuff for that. Well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because yeah. like, cause you're, you're working your gig, but. Right. Now you're working your you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, talk about the first time that, that you did that. Okay, I'll, I'll never forget it. Actually, my, my birthday, my drag birthday is coming up March 31st. So it was March 31st, 2019. So I'm going to hit five years. Uh, very soon, I'm actually doing a show at Stonewall for my five-year anniversary I'm do, on, on Sunday Congratulations the in advance. Yeah, I'm very excited. Very excited. Um, but yeah, I always remember it was uh, March 31st, and it was my first time, like, I had taken, like, the last, like, eight months to, like, like I mentioned earlier, just get the aesthetic stuff down. So, like... Learning the heel stuff from my friend, learning how to do my makeup, doing hair, getting a costume made. Um, so all that was like set. And I remember being in my house and my two girlfriends came over and helped judge me up. My friend Kat, who lives in L.A. now, sadly, but um, and my other friend Erica, who was a dance teacher friend from my school. They helped me get into this whole the whole costume stuff. And like, I don't know if you've like seen lots of drag queens, but there's a lot of transformational things that need to happen in terms of the body and like all the layers of pads and then tights and all that. So uh, getting, yeah. getting the help with that. Um, I was going to say, cause it, it, I'm standing on the outside of it. I'm mm-hmm. thinking that that must be kind of intimidating to pursue, <coughs> be, you know, because you, you know, at, at that level, like it's all, it's an awful lot of work to do on your own. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, not like you Especially have a staff and out. say, attend me. Yeah, you know? that's that's the, that's one of the goals is getting an assistant. That would be <laughs> lovely. Um, but uh, yeah, especially when you're but first you starting out. looking out for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I had the two friends that were helping me with that. I still have some of the, but I, have, I actually have shoes from both of them. I have some high heels that both of them have given me still. I haven't worn them at all, but I've, actually I wore one once. Anyway, uh, that's a side note. But um, yeah, so they, they were helping me out and then we went down in a cab to the venue and then I'll never never forget there was trying to get my wig glued down I was like frantically trying to get it glued down and then my friend was trying to help me and then she got this it's called spirit gum I don't know if you have yeah yeah I know so she got spirit gum on my eyeball I was a theater student I know spirit gum yes okay great very good yeah so we're trying to glue it in the lace and like it splashed in my eye and I was freaking out I was like what the fuck am I gonna do now oh my god and then my I had to get that like just before you're about to go off literally right before I was about to start I was like fuck so then we, we Q-tipped that out. That was fun. And then, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the, she didn't tell me this at the time, but apparently before my first performance, my lovely friend, my friend, so my friend Erica, the dance teacher at the school, mm-hmm. she is, she's uh, 10 years older than me. So she's like 42 now, but she still can, she parties me down under the table. And at that time I was, 2019 was what, four or five years ago. So that must have meant I'm 20. 627 at the time. So I'm really young, but she's like in her mid to late 30s. She's uh, par- she could pardon me under the table. Anyway, she told me, unbeknownst to me, that before my first performance, she had given everybody 
a lovely weed gummy. So by the end of the night, everyone is just high as balls in that bar because she had gotten everyone high from my first performance. Um, but it was lovely. It was great. I had a great time. Yeah, I made lots of money that day. It was lovely. Yeah, it was good. And my parents were there too. So that was also fun. Oh, nice. nice. And that's sadly the first and only time they've seen me. But I've, I've hoping they come back some some point. We're working on oh, it. Though. Oh, okay. We're working so, on that. Yeah. No. No. Because you know that would, you know, unfortunately the only time they have saw what what happened to that. Okay. So it's 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 something that they can come to see. Yeah. So yeah, they're yeah. still around. Oh, I, you know, they still like, they're still here. Well, I didn't prepare for this turn. No. Yeah. No. No. It's no. it's been a journey, especially my mom, the journey of getting her to understand and accept the whole drag thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. was something I was wondering. Yeah, they, you know, it's yeah. tough for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. But they are accepting? Uh, my dad is. My mom, I think, is like uncomfortable about about it still, but she's gotten better. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just wish she would come and see the the uh, evolution because that was my first performance. I looked way different than, than I do now. Sure. And I, sure. it's gotten a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what you're doing now. Yeah, you know? I sure do. How long have you been doing this now? Uh, drag, I'm going to hit five years, like I said. I have a show coming up. Oh, I'm sorry, up. yeah. You just, yeah. Just said that. But of I, course, I started, so that, that was 2019. Um, oh. March of 2019. And then, of course, March of 2020 comes around. I'm trying to, you know, celebrate my first year anniversary. And then I realize, oh, the world's about to shut down. And then my first drag anniversary was in my house on probably like a Zoom call. Because, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember... But you, you did a few uh, live. Oh, I did things, a ton right? of online stuff all the time. Yeah, that was like my my online playground slash big year and a half long rehearsal at that point. I was doing so much stuff from home and trying to just treat it like a long, you know, cooking process because I knew that once the world opened, I wanted to hit the streets running again. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I get uh, that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because I think that may have been the first, like, I hadn't seen you or spoken with you in a while, and uh, I still had my visions. As it was going, but I like I could still see yeah. some stuff or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. Mark looks different. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. how are we doing this or whatever? So yes. you know, it was it was, it was cool, but like I like I said, I didn't know specifically what what was going on. I'm like, okay, so this, what are you doing now? I'm yes. wondering. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but um, uh. So yeah, so actually you you had just gotten your feet wet before lockdown. Yeah, my first uh so yeah, my first show was March of 2019 and then I was doing like I would say maybe just two gigs in Dragon Month for that first year. It was mu- very much like a side thing. It wasn't my actual main uh, you know, bread and butter. Um but then yeah, lockdown happened in March 2020. And I had to pivot really quickly to just doing stuff online when I could. Um, but that year, I really kind of gave me a lot of time to really work on like getting a really an actual wardrobe together, getting like a an actual repertoire of songs and mixes, and just my persona down and like. Just, and I could see that you yeah. were gaining a following while you were doing yeah, that. Yeah, that really helped a lot. Yeah. Do you feel that was helpful in your evolution since, uh, you know, you could work on certain elements of your craft, but you didn't have to be interactive so you could kind of control the exactly, environment? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I felt like um, 
yeah, I feel like it's a, it was just a big old rehearsal. Um, but yeah, it was nice having control. And I've always, even as a musician, I prefer like rehearsing, knowing what's going to happen and like being prepared, which is funny because most of the time I do gigs now where like everything's on the fly. But um, I, I theoretically like the preparation and the, the organization. Yeah. Well, that, 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 by the way, with, with the laugh of recognition, uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my lifelong goal is to, and, and I believe if I stay in the game long enough, I'll achieve it, where I will be hosting a show that actually plays out as it was planned. Oh, yeah, that never it happens. It will happen once, and then I can retire. <laughs> That's it. I'll right. be very old when it happens. Right. But, <laughs> but no, I know what you mean. Yeah, that's part of the fun, you know. It's always, oh, yeah. it's always something. It's, it's interesting. Well, as yeah. I'm sure you heard Alex say on several occasions at, at the Uptown Cabaret, Live theater, people. Live yes, theater. Totally. You know, yeah. When something really embarrassing had just happened. Totally. <laughs> There's so many things I can think of where just like the most random what? stuff happens on stage. Yeah. You never. I, know. I, I, sorry, I, I don't mean to take this back into reminiscing, but I couldn't remember. Were you uh, working with us the night the naked little boy ran through the middle of the restaurant? No, I I would have remembered that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, well, I was not there for that. It was like, what the hell? But it, there's something you don't see every day. Was it during a song? <laughs> it, was, it was just I, randomly. I don't. There was some. I think there was. I'm trying to remember if it was. It was someone who lived like in a nearby or adjoining building, uh, and I don't remember if they were there at the restaurant with their child uh-huh. or. If like the child slipped out of the building and went through there because it was a place that they were familiar with sure. or whatever, mm-hmm. but I I don't want to be the one addressing this situation. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's like, how do we how do we go about this? Yeah, wow, security's lax in this place. <laughs> <laughs> no shirt, no shoes, no service. That's right. Wow. Well, so. So okay, so you're you're building this during pandemic. Yeah, that's really my big. That was my big time to. When stuff started opening up, were, were you like, were you anxious to get into it? I was so ready, and um, the online stuff, like you mentioned, got me more attention and it got me more connections, and like even just going out of um, because I don't know if you remember, but like during. There was like kind of like two lockdowns. There was like one kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. There was like there was a like partial the, we're gonna reopen and then, see how and then it goes, it and then it didn't go well. And then they were like, never mind, back yeah. to back to the house. Um, but then that little window there, I got hired. That's when I first got hired. Oh, so you got out during that window? Oh yeah, I got hired. Oh, nice. So from like doing stuff online, people noticed me, and then I got hired at Stonewall, and then I got hired at the Monster Bar, which I still work at weekly to this day right now. Both of those places. Um, it's almost like my home bar. I've like worked there all the time. I love it. Yeah, I got out and then um, I did <laughs> I did an uh, an outdoor show because that's the only thing you could do at that time. Yeah. In December, it was fr- freezing. It was like 35 degrees. <laughs> Where was this? Um, at Don't Tell Mama. Oh. Yeah. On the stoop of Don't Tell Mama. Outside. They did out- outdoor shows. I didn't know they that did that. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done because my body was frozen by the end of the first number. And I was like, how am I going to last an hour and a half out here? Um, it was wow. wild. I could not feel my fingers trying to play piano, but you got to make it look easy. And uh, yeah, yeah. But it was it was painful. <laughs> and then the poor audience like huddled under like a little thingy, like under the heat lamps. <laughs> right. Sure. Trying they to support get to your friend. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't get a heat lamp. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. That's why God invented alcohol. Hello. <laughs> the Sorry. liquor jacket. Yep. <laughs> 
we come out, we see our shadow, we go back in, right, and then eventually stuff starts to open up and and stay opened up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're we're there, maybe not literally like this, but essentially, were there some gigs waiting for you? As, yeah, as opening up. It, it, yeah, it really kind of like snowballed pretty fast. Um, the when was the actual opening opening up again? I feel like it was like mid to late twenty twenty one. But I remember, yeah, I was doing, I was just all around. I was, I was all around the village, just bopping around, like playing Race Crisis, playing Stonewall, playing Duplex, playing The Monster. And that was, oh, and then, oh, I had Townhouse at some point too. Um, but anyway, um, but that was at a point too where um, you had to be like seated and you had to be separated and there's like dividers everywhere. I'd be like in full drag, but kind of behind like a screen. So it was like, <laughs> you really couldn't even see what was all going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. Um, but then, yeah, so then, and then I also got a gig working out on Fire Island, which I do now. I've been there every, like every summer. But yeah, that was like, it just like kind of like all coalesced really well. And I was really, really fortunate. I was ready. I was like so happy. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I, I could imagine. So yeah, your, your story really is, is, is a different story to getting to that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. COVID and then uh, all that. Was a talk, talk to me about something. Um, it, I, I mentioned that I would periodically hear uh, things from from folks like, "Hey, Marco, let's go." Um, I, you did you won some sort of a competition, like a a, a corporate thing, right? Yes, I did. Um, tell me about this. Sure, uh, partnership with Smirnoff. I got asked to be one of the contestants. They so basically they're trying to do, which I think most I think all companies should do. They want to do like pride activation events throughout the whole year instead of just do it during June. So to kind of initiate that whole thing, they wanted to find a drag uh, sponsor slash ambassador if like the face of their pride campaign. Right, that's what I had heard. I'm sorry. Yes. So I was one of 12 queens asked to compete for that. So the first thing I was asked to do was to go out. They flew me out to LA to compete in one of the first rounds. There were six of us at a time. And so that was in summer of 2022, maybe? No, 2021, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Two years ago, three? I, I forget. Time is weird. <laughs> yeah, um, I But know. Uh, it was, I think, 2021. I was flown out there to compete for them. Six of us competed. I was a top Wait, two it, finalist it, for I'm that. Sorry, I'm sorry, not to interrupt, but, yeah. um, but I'll interrupt. Um, no, they, they flew you out there. So uh, you submitted a, a recording? Or no, they actually reached out to me. So they found like they found two girls oh, from New right. York City so, so, and they reached out to, to both of us from New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, getting flown out is, you know. That was my first time ever doing like an out, out of out of state uh, performance. And you're still new at the game, right? Oh, at that point I've been doing direct for like two and two years well, I, two, I, excuse me but I, newer, I, I, newer, I want to say for sure uh, it, live because I, I know you have that chunk of time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. virtual or whatever right was that 20 i feel like that had to be 2022 then because like if it was 2021 i would have been way too fresh for that no no, no. That, i think it was 2022 that was why i'm asking i'm looking up i think i have a little um sure look it up a show uh so i i'm speaking of organization all my drag stuff is in a very organized google drive so I have like my flyers, my invoices, <laughs> uh, my tracks, my headshots. I'm looking for the photo shoot we did for um, Smirnoff. I'm pretty sure, like positive, it had to be 2022. 
Okay. So anyway, so you, yeah, so I'm you know, I'm gonna go with that. 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm but I was going out there to check. do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's Gary's job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was like a, my first like big like corporate type thing on that level. So I won. I got top two for that, like runner up in that round. But there was another round down in Austin for six other queens, mm-hmm. um, and then another person won that thing. So then there was a top three. And then this past October, I was flown down to Puerto Vallarta to do the final, final performance. And I didn't win, but I got runner up. So yeah, we can love a little check for that. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like a, such a fun opportunity. I've never been down to Puerto Vallarta. It was, it was so, so fun. Oh, man, and nice. like put up in a beautiful resort and like just down there is gorgeous. So yeah, it was a really cool experience. Very cool. Has that, has that like uh, boosted your profile or gotten you other gigs? It has. Yeah. So I work with, um, so the, the over the, what's it called? Distributor company is called Diageo and they oversee a bunch of different liquor brands, including Smirnoff. And so they hired me to do like be a host for one of their um, opening parties for a Broadway show, Fat Ham that opened last year. So I got to do that. That was a really cool experience as well. I got to meet like celebrities and you know, host a little photo booth and see everyone walk in. Yeah. Yeah. Drag has taken me like a lot of really cool places, much more than my former just being a musician life had. So, yeah. So, uh, so how, how are you, you paying the bills these days? I have like 7,000 different streams of income. I am, I have like full-time gigs every week. I work with um, two different choirs. I teach part-time uh, with kids at Columbia Teachers College. I play auditions. Um, I do concerts and cabarets. I did just a ton of different What the hell stuff. are you doing here? You, you need to be somewhere, don't you? Well, I have a show tonight, actually, yeah. <laughs> so I'll be going back home, taking a nap, and then I have a, a show with my... I have a band also, so we have a, a show with my band tonight. Oh, what, I do what, a show every kind, Monday. What kind of music? Um, we do mostly like pop and rock covers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's three of us. Uh, we're called the Bad GDs. We're a drag band. And uh, yeah, so we have a show every Monday down at Red Eye. It's in Hell's Kitchen. And tonight uh, we're doing a show that's French themed because our one of our owners is getting uh, to go to Paris for his birthday. So he was like, can Aww. you do like a French themed thing? So I think my my lead singer is going to be a mime today for some reason. So, I mean, it's going to be fun seeing her mime her way through the set and not sing live. It's going to be really cool. <laughs> yeah. Really fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounded, I'm sounded. excited. Yeah. So every, every, every Monday, that's my, my, my show is, is that with the band. Well, you know what? I have yeah. another kind of sidebar here because I, I, you also, I believe, on two occasions, definitely on one, uh, presented uh, some of your original music at at our bag of chips. Yes, show. that's right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, where does that fit into the picture with all this other stuff? Okay, so that's been like kind of like on the side burner right now. But yeah. during lockdown, I wrote like an uh, EP length uh, assortment of songs. I have nine songs. Um, and I remember one of the times you came through, you came through with like 50 actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still have those videos somewhere. Um, it was, that was when I was like still writing like musical theater stuff too. That was like more musical theater style stuff. And now I'm just right. like, I want to be like a, a pop diva. I want to be like a drag queen, like pop, pop star. Um, so now the music I write is very pop, but yes, at that time it was very, very theater style music I was writing. Uh, but yeah, so, so that the, was something you were doing at the time, but that's not really your focus at this point. Uh, yeah, so like I did meet with a producer last year, or not last year, maybe like six months ago, about one of my songs. But I just, I just haven't. <laughs> it's not been a priority. Just I'm hustling so much, just sure. making my actual 
you know, money than like it, paying rent. Because music's I've expensive. Often said to people, I can only do sixteen things at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my schedule's just like a little wild, but um, yeah. Um, I I still I love writing music. I haven't written anything new in a minute, but since twenty twenty one during the end of lockdown, I had the I've had these songs in my trunk, and I, I'll go back to them here and there and like do little tweaks. But um, yeah, I want to get I do want to get like one specific one produced and just release it as a single. But that's also dependent on money because music production is expensive, especially the guy I talked to was like asking for a chunk of change. So yeah, but I really want to work with him. So yeah. Right, so mm -hmm. you'll make it happen. Yeah, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. No, going going forward mm -hmm. uh, from from where you're at right now with your your five thousand gigs and you yeah. you, you know and 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 hustling and 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 you <laughs> spokes queen for major liquor brands. <laughs> um, um uh, do do you have at present any? specific goals or things that you're working towards or did yeah just, you know... so what my well my overarching goal is to be able to travel and perform and uh that's something that me and my my band also share too so we're working on trying to branch out more and like plan like an either in like an eastern like east coast mini tour like you know virginia like dc philly here um jersey like local but like still branching out Mm -hmm. And also, I'm trying to get out to Palm Springs really badly. I have a friend that wants to try to book us out there, um, hopefully, by, like, fall of this year. I want to get out there, too, um, with the band. Um, we also want to write original music. And I, as a songwriter myself, I'm like, I would love to work on that. I was wondering if, if the yeah. band would, would if you, you said it was mostly covered, but I was wondering if you were writing anything for the band Yeah, as well. so that's, what's on our, that's on our, doc, our docket for sure. Um, what else? But the big thing for me is, is, is traveling more and getting, cause like, especially after getting flown to Mexico, I was like, I want to do this more. I want to go, I want to go so many other places, um, get paid to travel. Yeah. That's my big goal right now. Um, otherwise just like trying to be, you know, as top of the game in New York as I can. I mean, New York is the hardest, hardest place to perform in the world. I think, especially with just like the density of performers and also the quality, everyone's so good. So it's just like you know. But I, but mm -hmm. you know, I I, I have to say I, I think that uh, not only is that true, but I also think that like since you cut your teeth here, yeah, or whatever that that definitely gives you leg up on. Totally, and I'm I'm like now just in the last two years of dragon music stuff, I'm really finally feeling like okay, I'm like getting asked to do instead of like having to like hustle and like work for stuff i'm getting approached to like do stuff because i think the more you you know just keep working at it people will notice you and like your name will be talked about more and yeah yeah and you can you can transition into you know uh, more more gigs coming about from people reaching out to you than you totally to hustle for yes yourself. and you can ask you can also ask for more and you have a higher yeah. sense of worth for sure mm-hmm yeah. yeah. So until you wind up having a resume that stretches out as long as that Oof. lady's sheet music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so here, here, you stand here, hold that. I'm going to step back. Whoa, that's an impressive resume. Right. Um, <laughs> I, well, I, I just, I actually just got asked to like play for um, an audition group, like I'll play for auditions starting next week for something. 
And they asked for my resume. I was like, oh my God, I haven't updated my resume. <laughs> I thought you had so everything long. already at your fingertips. So what I did is I just I just sent a video file because I was like, I'm so sorry. I haven't updated. I, I, get, I sent my resume in, but it's not updated as of 2020. I was like, I'd rather not sit here and update this right now. Cause it's like, especially with all the drag stuff, I'm like, well, I've done like this thing with this person. Let's, it would be like so long. So I was yeah. just like, here's like what I have. I, I was like, very honest. Like, I don't know, maybe it was like that day. I was just not, I was just feeling very just straightforward. <laughs> and I was mm. like, I'm going to send my resume as of three years ago. Cause I don't feel like I, I, I didn't say I didn't feel like it. I was like, I don't have the time to update it right now. But if you just, here's a real of me just actually performing. Mm. So you know I can do this because <laughs> right, I'm right. team do unless I'm team do it. Just stop talking and do it. Like yeah. And some people have amazing resumes as performers, but like you don't know what they're actually going to be like until you see them right exactly perform that, on stage. That, that, you can only that have can so much on a paper, but it doesn't sell. Yeah, sell it, and other know? fields, sure. Like a resume is very important, but I think as a performer, like I'd rather just see someone be in their element than read about how great or whatever they've done. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Well, it, it, it's really exciting. And it, it really, I've been enjoying hearing what's been going on with yeah. you since I last saw you. I want other people to experience this too. Can you tell uh, folks where they can uh, track you down, find you, support you, hear your work? Yes, please. Um, So Instagram is the best place to go. It's where you can, not only see what I look like in drag, but you also can see in my link all my um, upcoming shows, including tonight at Red Eye um, and all my regular stuff. Um, that's um, It's, I-T-S, Lyra, L-Y-R-A, Vega, V-E-G-A. That's my drag account. It's Lyra Vega. That's um, for my drag stuff. And then also my boy account is on Instagram at my regular name, Mark, M-A-R-K, O-L-E-S-Z-K-O, Mark Olesko, Mark Olesko, O-M-A-R-K-O-L-E-S-Z-K-O. I kind of have two separate <laughs> yeah. worlds going on and they overlap sometimes, but yeah. yeah I get that. Yeah. I get that. Do you, um, do you have any uh, standing gigs, like a weekly thing? Or sure, yeah. Anything? So Monday's yeah. at Red Eye every Monday at 10 o'clock. Then I'm at Stonewall on Wednesdays every uh, Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Then Monster Bar every Thursday at 11 o'clock for my late night people like going all night because that's what's going to go on on Thursdays. Uh, those are my three regulars right now. And then I'm trying to see if there's anything else coming up that's like exciting um, besides that. Oh, yeah. I've been playing at a lovely space on the east side called the Ivy Room. So I'll be there again on Thursday, the 22nd of this month. And then I do, I just sub all over the place. Um, Maria's Crisis, Duplex, all the other piano bar spots too. But yeah, everything will be on my Instagram. I post all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Mm -hmm. well, thank you so much for spending time. And of course. Keep doing your good work. We're, we're, anyone who was associated with with the Uptown Cabaret or knows your work, we're just so proud of you. Keep Aww, doing your good work. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, that was a fun conversation with the wonderful Mark Alesco. Be sure to check him out. If I'm remembering what, what I said in the conversation, what we said in the conversation, he will be celebrating his fifth drag birthday at Stonewall on March 31st. Just look him up online, you know, and, and, and go support his work. He, he's doing great work. You won't be disappointed. In wrapping up, I want to thank all the folks who make this possible. Uh, the grand poobah of all... 
Gary Hardcastle, our producer and chief audio engineer. Additional audio engineering from Miles, Mixed Appeal, Blue Spruce. Our theme music is written and performed by King of the Hill, Courtney Hill. Tip of the cap to our production assistants, Stanley Recio and Jeremy Pueyo. And uh, special thanks to research and all other sorts of things that no one else wants to do. Stupendous Stephanie. And we always like to close out with some music constructed by someone in No Name Family. We're going back to the well of the band Blue Spruce. The brainchild of Miles Mixed Appeal Blue Spruce and uh, something we haven't shared previously, a song called Hourglass. Blue Spruce, Hourglass, check it out. Thanks for being here. Until next time, my name is Eric Vetter. I love you all. Midnight, then one o'clock, then two. Clockwise, the hands tick past you. Stop.